we can learn from this. Support is available. We can lean on each other and potentially come out of this stronger. You're listening to the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. I'm Matt Gleason, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about highlights from the recent mental health town hall in Oklahoma City that Joe Beth Hammond and MJ Clausen were both a part of, among others. And so, JB, as we call her, and MJ, as she is called, are here with us. So, MJ and JB, Welcome. Thank you. I think the easiest way is for you guys to introduce yourselves. And so we'll start with MJ. I'm MJ. I'm the director of our Oklahoma City operations for the association. And Joe Beth, if you can. Yeah, I'm Joe Beth, and I am the education coordinator for the association, as well as uh, Ward 6 council member um, in Oklahoma City. And Joe Beth, tell us about the origin of this mental health town hall and who all was involved and just kind of give us some overall context for this. Sure. Myself, Councilman Nice and Councilperson Cooper have been in pretty close contact, just sharing resources, as well as questions that we've all been getting. And at one point, about two weeks in, I think we realized we're getting a lot of the same questions and people are asking about a lot of the same things. So we decided maybe a good way to just help share that more generally was through kind of a virtual town hall platform. So every Tuesday at four for the past, however many weeks this has been, four to six weeks, We've been hosting um, these virtual town halls through Zoom, and then the city uh, has been sharing those through their Facebook Live. Just focus on various topics based on things we've been hearing, questions and, and needs in the community. So this week, we knew that Mental Health Month was coming up with May. So we decided that we wanted as closely as we could to have all of our virtual town halls for the month of May to have some connection into mental health, and particularly in the in light of the pandemic, knowing that mental health is a really big piece of the whole puzzle of keeping people safe and healthy. We definitely just wanted to focus on what resources are available to people and get that out to as as wide of an audience as we could. Can you tell us who all was involved in this town hall? Yeah. So um, it was myself, Councilwoman Nikki Nice, and Councilperson James Cooper. And then we invited MJ Clausen from the association to join us. We also had Tiffany Ramirez, who is the program coordinator for a program that is in my ward called Empower OKC that largely serves um, the Hispanic community. Dr. Lydia Nightingale from Variety Care joined us, as well as uh, Margie Preston from Heartline 211. And then one of the awesome things that it, that you guys offered was Tiffany Ramirez. Actually, she was a, a panelist and she also did uh, Spanish translation for each of the speakers. Whose idea was that? So that's something we've been trying to incorporate into as many of our town halls as possible. My word has a large Hispanic population, particularly on the South side. And so we just, especially a few weeks ago, one of our town halls was based on support for small businesses. And especially there's a program that the city instituted. And one of my worries with that program was that the word to the Hispanic community, because we know there's a lot of small businesses owned by and part of the Hispanic community, I w- we were really worried that the word was not going to get out to that portion of our city. So we invited a woman I know that works in this economic development space to join us and, and make sure we provided Spanish translation for 
any of the people that might be joining or, or so we could promote it to that wider audience. And it's just sort of stuck since then. We've been trying to incorporate that as, as often as we can, just to make sure that everyone can, you know, regardless of their, that language barrier can join us and make sure that we can get resources that kind of hit different sectors of the community. And before we get to the highlight section of this podcast, Joe Beth, can you tell people where they can watch the entire Facebook live event uh, of this town hall? Yeah. So if you go to the Facebook page for the city of Oklahoma city, and I think it's the way that it's written is city of Oklahoma city hyphen government under the video section. They have all of these town halls and a lot of other great videos and resources about COVID-19 in that section. And so you can watch this one as well as all of the town halls we've done over the last month or so. Fantastic. And that link will be in the show notes. And I'm also going to include links to the organizations that each panelist represented. So you can find out more about what amazing things they are doing during this very difficult time for our state. MJ and JB were both kind enough to identify some of their favorite moments during this town hall. So we're going to go through those and let's start with MJ. Let's talk about Dr. Lydia Nightingale and, and the wonderful things she said about stressing safe practices during this time. I really appreciated that Dr. Nightingale talked about remaining vigilant in our precautions and practices. She talked about wearing a mask and the way that we need to be wearing our masks to protect each other, other people, continuous hand washing and other precautions like physical distancing. I think that things are fairly confusing right now as businesses and places begin to open back up. So I really appreciated her pointing out that COVID-19 is still in our community and we need to remain vigilant in practicing all of those precautions. And MJ, if you could, you know, talk about what Mental Health Association Oklahoma, some of the precautions that we're doing there in Oklahoma City with our staff. Well, we have implemented all of the best practices, the physical distancing precautions, wearing pre personal protective equipment, obviously washing our hands, modifying the way that we deliver services to not only keep our team safe, but to also keep all of the people that we serve safe as well. And we are continuing to do that. It's, it's getting confusing even as our, to our clients and the people that we serve as they start to hear things in the media and from some officials talking about the reopening that's happening. You know, a lot of the people that we serve are ready to quote unquote, get back to normal. And so it continues to be challenging to explain that within our organization, we're continuing to follow all of those precautions. And that, that includes our street outreach team that is reaching out to people experiencing homelessness right now. So MJ, we're actually going to talk about another moment during the town hall featuring Dr. Nightingale. So you, you mentioned that you really enjoyed how she talked about that Oklahoma is built on trauma. Tell us why that meant so much to you and kind of give us some context of why she said that. Well, I've been thinking a lot lately about trauma and about the fact that this pandemic that we're in is a traumatic event that we're all experiencing together. It's also our, 
our topic for this year's Zero Symposium, historical trauma, and to think about our state of Oklahoma. Dr. Nightingale mentioned that all the way from the Trail of Tears to the Tulsa Race Massacre to a myriad of natural disasters, the Oklahoma City bombing 25 years ago, we have had a lot of trauma in our state. And so I appreciated her pointing that out. And I think sometimes we can get mired a little bit in the trauma. And it's important to recognize our resiliency is in the mix there as well. So we've gone through a lot. We continue to go through a lot. But we, depending on how we address trauma, uh, treatment works, recovery is possible. And that's what we work on day in, day out with with folks through our work at the association. So, Jobeth, can you talk about the Zero Mental Health Symposium and that our theme really is related to that Oklahoma is built on trauma and so much of our nation's history and the globe's history is based on trauma. And this this year's theme is healing from historical trauma. The symposium's coming up October 1st and 2nd. You can get all the details at zerosymposium.org. So, Jobeth, you know, kind of reflect on what Dr. Nightingale said about Oklahoma built on trauma and how that relates to the symposium. Yeah, when she started talking, I was like, has she read our website? Because <laughs> she really did touch on all of those pieces that we've really highlighted in our framing of the conference that, you know, there are things that I, I think we've historically thought of as historical trauma that are more related to people's identities or different discrimination people have experienced around slavery, police violence, those other sorts of things that we've seen in the since the founding of our country. But thinking specifically about Oklahoma, we obviously have, you know, a very checkered past and a founding of, you know, we, we, I say, (laughs) you know, government at the time saw Oklahoma as essentially disposable. And so they removed native populations here. And then, you know, it was a territory. And and then when it became a state, it was essentially, we're going to keep moving those people and just kind of the the cycles of displacement and and uprooting people for you know the the founding of what is you know a, a state now that as Night, Dr. Nightingale points out it has a lot of very bad health outcomes definitely I think stems from and she kind of talks about how that that really does stem from just kind of the way that we've experienced a lot of trauma as a state and as a and in our communities, regardless of it, whether that is something like, you know, the discrimination based on ethnicity or even those community traumas like the the bombing in 1995 and then things like our weather events that, you know, the the symposium will really, I think, capture a, that wide variety of traumatic experiences that that we've experienced as a state and a nation. And we even have a session that is going to be included in the agenda that will touch on COVID-19, because I think, as MJ mentioned before, we are living through a kind of community traumatic event at this time. And, you know, it's definitely not lost on us as we plan the conference that, that there's definitely going to be ramifications for, you know, at least a generation or so on people's mental health and, and how we how we interact with the world around us based on what we're experiencing right now. We've got two more highlights we're going to hit just for the audience to know. And so our next segment is actually JB really appreciated that MJ talked about ACE scores. And so let's let's go right to JB talking about 
why you appreciated MJ bringing up aces. Yeah. Um, I, I think a lot of, and probably a lot of our listeners, if they've been listening for a while, know that Oklahoma has some of the highest ACE scores in the country. And, and especially recognizing that there are a lot of kids right now who not only are experiencing the trauma of this pandemic, but on top of that, maybe experiencing any of those other things, you know, those points of adversity, especially without that connection to their school, other community programs that can be those support systems for our youth. If they are experiencing different traumatic things through their home or in their neighborhood. And so, you know, and and she, MJ talked about how someone's a score often correlates to, or can predict things like our both physical and, you know, mental illnesses, like, you know, dependence on abusing drugs or alcohol, having, you know, a different mental health diagnosis, but that she also talks about that, you know, there's, there are tools and things that we can be providing and that there is recovery available and that we know that if people get connected into treatment, that it works really well. And I, one of our other panelists, Tiffany from Empower, I also sort of touches on that, that a lot of the work they do is with families that are often in, you know, stressful situations based on economic hardship. And so that's just sort of emphasized right now. And so a lot of the things they're focusing on is, getting those tools out to families at a time where maybe the youth and the families can't be coming to them to, to be in these more communal settings, but that they're still trying to get those resources to try to build that resiliency for, for their youth in the community to try to mitigate whatever those, especially this collective trauma, but also what maybe those personal traumas they have or are experiencing currently and just recognizing that, the trauma that people experience is results in certain types of behavior and having that perspective when we're working with people, whether it's in a treatment setting or just, you know, our coworkers and friends and family and thinking about, you know, what the story is behind that person's behavior is just, I think, a important piece to remember, especially as we're all sort of collectively going through this, that well, maybe my irritability is, or maybe my, you know, spouse or friend or whoever's irritability right now is, it's not just about me, but it's maybe about something that's happening beyond all of our control. Awesome. MJ, do you have anything to add to that? Yeah, I, I need to recognize council member James Cooper, who actually asked the question about ACEs as well as community trauma and historical trauma. But trauma-informed care is so important. It's the difference between asking what's wrong with you and moving toward what has happened to you. So the final clip that we're going to talk about is James talking about the importance of self-care. And MJ, I know that this actually moved you. You actually moved you to tears. It was so powerful. What did you appreciate about James talking about self-care? Yes, at the end of the town hall, council member Nikki Nice asked this question of every everyone involved what we what each of us does for self-care. And I thought that was a wonderful question to ask and I did learn that I think you can cry on a Zoom call and not really have 
anyone notice. Uh, I did have a tear go down my face as Councilmember Cooper was talking about self-forgiveness. He said, if you're not going to forgive yourself, who's going to do it? And he also went on to talk about how he recently set a new alarm, uh, I guess, on his phone that's entitled, I love you, James. And so that's the first thing that he sees in the morning. And I think that kindness and gentleness toward others starts with ourselves and being being kind to to ourselves. And that was very moving to me. How about you, Jobeth? What what did you appreciate about James's words? Very much the same thing. And I th- a few of us spoke to that that need to be kind to ourselves if we don't hit all of the routines or practices that we wanted to do that day. And that that sort of self-care has to start with kind of giving yourself a break once in a while especially recognizing and I, and one of our one of my colleagues said this on a team meeting last week that you know recognizing that a lot of us aren't just working from home right now we are trying to work at home during a global pandemic and just recognizing the weight of what we're experiencing and not trying to um, downplay that but just and, and and I too you know to MJ's I was tearing up the whole time as well, just hearing what different folks are doing to try to implement their own kind of self-care throughout this time. Because I think the, for me, the tears and the emotion comes from just that recognition of how significant what we're experiencing right now is and the need to, you know, forgive ourselves if we don't measure up to what we, we think we need to be doing or should be doing right now is, you know, we're not going to get any better by beating up on ourselves. And, and I think a lot of us have the tendency to do that, especially if we're in helping professions, we want to be of service and support other people. And so we feel bad when that doesn't happen or when we don't meet that expectation. But yeah, to James's point, if it doesn't start with us, then, you know, no one's going to do it for us. Beautiful. All right, let's listen to a clip. And this was something I learned prior to COVID, but if I don't forgive myself, who else is going to do it? Like, you know, like who's going to be that person? Like, who am I waiting for? So I've had to literally get in my head during COVID and and tell myself like, James, it's okay. (laughs) And this might be helpful in terms of trauma for people who experience traumas at earlier points in their life. But I found this weekend that past traumas were reignited in my head. And I had a really rough day on Sunday and it wasn't until I got to the end of the day and I went on my daily 30 minute bike ride that it finally clicked that it was up to me as the adult to turn to the younger version of myself and be like, Hey kiddo, I love you. You're good. It's fine. I'm sorry. No one was there to tell you that at the time. (laughs) And, and you know, I say all that say like, give yourself that space for forgiveness when you feel that anxiety or you feel that depression or you're feeling that rush of, of anger or whatever it is to be like, whenever, you know, to be able to intervene, but like you might want to beat yourself up to be like, gosh, I thought I was over that. And it's like, no, it's about managing it and it's okay. So that's been, that's been helpful. And one final thing I did in addition to the movies and the daily bike rides and breathing five times a day, like literally like taking five deep breaths in through the nose and then out through the mouth. 
but I changed the name of my alarm on my phone yesterday, Sunday night after that kind of hard moment. I changed the name of an alarm to I love you, James. So that's now the first thing I see in the morning. The follow-up alarm says non-existent because I'm barely alive. So, but no, I mean, just all give yourself that space and that grace and find the best routine you can. Yeah. That's what I've been doing. All right. Well, MJ, Jobeth, thank you so much for being here with us today. I, I thoroughly enjoyed this town hall and I know lots of people did. And I'm, I'm, I really appreciate you guys giving us some of those highlights. And so again, I just want to direct people to look in the show notes. You can watch that, the town hall in full and be moved just as much as we all were. Okay. So as we do at the end of every podcast, we ask the guests to share a bit of parting words and then share our upgraded rallying cry for May's Mental Health Munch, which is be a part, because like you guys mentioned, you know, we although we have to be a part physically, you know, we can still be a part of amazing town halls like this, where beautiful ideas are shared, innovations are shared, you know, just inspiration is shared. And so, yeah, so we're asking people to say, be a part and go do good things. So MJ, you're up first. We can learn from this, support is available, we can lean on each other and potentially come out of this stronger. And we invite you to join us, be a part, and go do good things. Amen. All right, JB, you're up. I just encourage anyone who's listening to take a moment to breathe at least once a day. That's something that James Cooper mentioned as one of his practices and something that I've been trying to do as well. So go be a part and go do good things.